0: This episode of League Pass Anonymous on the Tundra Take Podcast Network is long overdue. It's been about two years since League Pass Anonymous took the airwaves, and it's great to be back. In this episode, I have my buddy Cash on, and we talk all things Bubble Ball. I've known Cash for quite some time. I met him through Xbox Live, and in fact, and I'm going to apologize for this, I refer to him as public quite often because that is his Xbox Live gamer tag, and yeah, some of the mistakes and my attempt to correct myself are just... Just hilarious. I hope you enjoyed this episode of League Pass Anonymous, and I hope you check out everything else here on the Tundra Take Podcast Network, where I also have a podcast series running called Pod Awful. That's where we cover the happenings of the Afterwork Football League, a Madden Connected Franchise mode that's been running for many years now and is just about to enter the Madden 21 cycle. We're two episodes in there and there's going to be many more of those, plus many more of League Pass Anonymous here. So sit back, relax, don't forget to subscribe to the Tundra Take Podcast Network on your preferred podcast provider, and let's finally talk some hoops. Some people like basketball. Some people love it. Others are addicted. This is League Pass Anonymous, a podcast for the addicted. Welcome to another edition of League Pass Anonymous. It's been a long time. This is League Pass Anonymous Bubble Ball Edition. As everyone knows, the NBA is currently in the the bubble due to the coronavirus pandemic. I'm your host as always, Justin Jones, aka JFACE907. I'm here with my boy Cash. Cash, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, man. Just watching this uh Raptors Nets game while we got it going on in the background while we're recording this.
0: Definitely. I am loving basketball every day around the clock. I wish basketball could be like this all the time, but I mean, these are special circumstances and You just got to enjoy them while you've got them here. But let's jump right into it. The seeding games are over. We're in the playoffs. Like you mentioned, Raptors Nets game two is going on as we speak Uh, with the seeding games. What were some of your key takeaways uh, from those games? Uh, Give me just one to start off.
1: Uh, Probably my biggest takeaway was what we all expected going in is the Jazz have serious depth issues, especially with uh, Bogdan not playing. Uh, They really look like they're going to have trouble in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that actually, I have the Jazz uh, right here on my list as well, being one of my key takeaways. And that was kind of, the depth was one, but also Rudy Gobert. He had such a good start to the first uh, seeding game, but he has really struggled since, and especially struggled in game one of their series. But yeah, he just... Yeah, I'm not seeing what I need to see out of him. He really, it seemed like his ceiling was hit years ago and we th- were hoping for more and we're just not going to get it because he just, he doesn't have the passing abilities of some of the better centers in the league, such as your Jokic's and your, uh, even like Nurkic is putting on a, a great passing display, Nurkic over in Portland. But yeah, that was definitely one of my big takeaways. I'll tell you another one that I have, while Ro- or excuse me while Aaron Gordon might be the single most talented wing player for the magic it might actually this addition by subtraction in their wings through injuries and such might actually be a little bit of a blessing in disguise they're playing a lot better team ball um, without so many wings because I mean for those who don't know the magic have at least four players that all fit the three and d type profile but don't really provide as much as you'd want in three or D or both in some situations, but this could freeing up of the congestion really has helped them out. I feel like Uh, what's another takeaway that you've taken from these seeding games.
1: Uh, Another one is another blaring obvious thing that I really didn't expect going into the bubble. We all expected some teams to struggle offensively, which we actually didn't see at the beginning, but the Lakers just never found that groove. And you almost thought that they were going to hit it whenever the Nuggets pulled their starters in that fourth quarter. And the Lakers kinda went on that run and won that game. And you thought, man, this is gonna be this is gonna be where the Lakers offense gets going. They're gonna turn it around. It's gonna come on. And then as we've seen in that first playoff game against Portland, I mean you struggle to put up hundred points against Portland. One of the worst defensive teams in the bubble. And I mean, it's not looking good right now for the Lakers.
0: No, no, it is not. I also too have the Lakers offense as a major takeaway. They have, at least reputation wise, one of the best knockdown shooters in the NBA in Danny Green. And uh, he's not been hitting since they went into the bubble. And as a team, the Lakers are shooting just barely over 30 percent, by far the worst three point shooting team in the bubble. I'll give you one more takeaway of mine before we wrap up our big takeaways here. And that was um, also actually, no, let me give you the last takeaway here. I'll step back in one more takeaway from you.
1: Uh, well, I'm gonna go with Dame. I believe is still underrated. I know that's kind of a hot take with how everybody's been all over Dame with his performances in the bubble. But then you hear things like with Luca putting up his big games. Luca's a top five player. Now hold up, this kid's 21 years old. Luca is not a top five player. Anybody that says that is crazy. I mean, you hear Paul Pierce and all them saying it on on the jump, and I mean you have right now you have Steph Curry, AD. Uh, or not AD, but Steph Curry, LeBron, uh, Harden. I mean, and then Luka is not better than Dame. Dame is definitely, if he's not a top five player, he might be six. And he just doesn't get the love. Everybody's really high on Dame right now because of his performances. But then you still have other people want to throw these things out about players that just aren't really in the same caliber as Dame.
0: I got to be honest with you, Dame has... I mean, I already Dame time's been my favorite time uh, when my favorite team, the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't playing. So oh, you already know I love Damian Lillard, but he has impressed me more than I thought I, have, I could have ever been impressed. And we keep hearing these things of, oh, undersized point guards, they they get exposed in the playoffs. I mean, just look at like George Hill, for example, uh, when he was with the Pacers. In the heat, just blitzed him on every pick and roll and just exposed the living daylights out of him. There's a proven track record of undersized point guards just not succeeding when the stage gets bigger. But Dame just proves time and time again that he is legit. When you come out and blitz him, well, he's just going to pull up from, you know, 10 feet further back. I know that sounds like a long distance, but he is hitting shots from anywhere on the court. It's stretching the defense, it's forcing teams to adjust, and he is just balling now let's get into who overall has impressed you the most from the seeding games um, I'll start you off with this one who impressed you the most either single player or team in the bubble
1: I mean how could you not go with the Phoenix Suns what they did their eight and no record yeah they played some teams that didn't really have a lot to play for or they were battling injuries but the job that I mean Booker was lights out in the bubble he really played well and then overall job even during the regular season that Monty Morris has done with that team it's just been incredible. I think, uh, you know, they, they have some things going in the right direction. The only bad thing is they're in the Western Conference, and it's going to be rough for them going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely the Suns, my best impression, or they they impress me the most out of anyone or any team in the bubble. Like you said, Devin Booker really showed up. The biggest knock on him. I mean, he was hearing it all last summer for passing up Team USA is, who is this guy? He We know he can score, but can he do anything when games matter because by and large since he's been drafted by the Suns they have not played in games that matter and these eight games for the Phoenix Suns every single one of them mattered he showed up in every single one and if it wasn't for Damian Lillard making bubble time Dame time he would have been the bubble MVP as we know the bubble MVP did go to Dame but Devin Booker was right there another thing from the Suns that really impressed me was DeAndre Ayton That We kind of saw when he came back from his PED suspension that it looked like he was he was going to be a good center in the league. And, you know, you worry about guys who in their first offseason catch a suspension. What are they going to do in a time period that ended up being longer than what an NBA offseason actually is? What what, how are they going to come back? And DeAndre Ayton came back just where he left off from the season suspension not the player suspension, but the season suspension, and balled out. He really looks like he is going to be a legit big man here in the NBA. Another person that looks legit on that roster is Bridges. That man with the 8-foot, 10-foot long wingspan looks legit. He really played well, shot well, played defense. I mean, this guy looks like your true prototypical 3 and D wing player that a lot of uh, draft experts thought he'd be, and it's really really coming to be um, any other takeaway or who else impressed you down in the bubble?
1: Uh, Michael Porter jr's emergence and really like if he continues to grow at this pace in the bubble, especially, I mean, he really can make the nuggets a contender to knock off the Clippers. I, I would say to prevent a uh, LA all LA conference finals, but I think the Lakers might do that on their own. It's with the way that they're playing if they don't get it together soon, but Michael Porter Jr., he is really coming coming along, and uh, it's really looking like a steal for the Nuggets where they drafted him at.
0: Yeah, and it looks like they might actually have two steals on their hands between Michael Porter Jr. and uh, the team since they were kind of free of the two-way contract restrictions in the bubble. They rolled Bull Bull out there, and Bull Bull really looked like what we expected him to be when he entered in at uh, Oregon University. And, you know, what injuries robbed him from being when he came out in the draft. And that was, you know, a surefire lottery talent. But, you know, injury concerns really hampered him, especially when you're seven foot three or whatever he is and have a lower body injury. Teams were not thinking he'd come back very agile and he looked very agile. He looked he looked a dead eye with his three point shot, which really surprised me. And another thing was his passing ability really showed in the bubble and I couldn't I, I didn't know we had that in him so the Nuggets now have really three seven footers who are above average passers two who are average to above average shooters and then you know Plumley, like all them Plumley boys he's just absurdly athletic for a seven foot white boy so I mean the Nuggets really came away impressive more or less with their drafting ability and how those kids look and their overall depth and then of course we'd be remissed if we didn't mention TJ Warren, that man balled out in the bubble. And we hope to see that continue form in the playoffs. And it kind of did in game one, not quite to the level it was um, in the bubble games or seating games, but he definitely balled out. Now, I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but who let us down? I'll start it off here. And I'm just going to go with the obvious answer. I feel like the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, you'd You are set up with the easiest schedule and I'm going to back up something I said on social media a while ago saying that uh, this was a conspiracy theory that the Pelicans got the easiest schedule. It's not totally true. I mean, they had the easiest schedule had the season not been suspended anyway. So the the NBA just really put them right back in line where they were, but they still fumbled this ball still looked awful and are still outside of the playoffs and have ruined JJ Reddick's playoff streak. (laughs) <laughs> public, what about, or uh, cash, I should say, public's another one of your pseudonyms. Uh, what, I'd say you, what let you down or who let you down the most?
1: Just, uh, I want to continue on what you said with the Pelicans. You really got to feel like if you're Alvin Gentry, that the Pelicans let you down. I mean, they fired him after the season because they didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't give him all the tools in the shed to play with. They put Zion on the short leash, which you can understand the guy coming off of, off of injury concerns. You know, he probably wasn't the right guy for the job. But I really think that he got let down by the Pelicans uh uh medical team. But another team that really let me down was the Sixers. They let me down in a couple of ways just because they didn't look great in the bubble. But before the bubble, they came in and they they really promoted this guy, Shake Milton. That, yeah, we're gonna start him, we're gonna start him with point guard and move Simmons the power forward, put all the pressure on this young kid. And then it just it didn't make sense. And whenever he came out and had a bad game. It, it really could have ruined that kid just because he had never played with these guys. He had never ran hardly any minutes with the, with the starting five and they come out and he struggles early. Him and Embiid get to it, get into it. And as a young player that really could have ruined him, he came back and hit a game winner the next game, which says a lot about the kid. But I mean, that was really kind of a really shaky start for him. No pun intended.
0: <laughs> uh, you know me, I'm a sucker for wordplay, So I love that. Not only uh shake Milton, There in that overhyped lineup, not really living up to expectations, but another Ben Simmons injury. I mean, they were entering the season suspension with Ben Simmons injured already. You then have him get hurt again in the bubble. And man, this Sixers team, well, we saw with the Pelicans, they let Alvin Gentry go shortly after the bubble uh, seating games ended. And I think Brett Brown might be in for a similar fate should the Sixers not make it out of this first round. Any other uh, woes or teams that uh, let you down here in, or players that let you down here in the seeding games?
1: Really, the, the Kings are a team. I know it's kind of a stretch. Nobody really expected them to do anything, but with how everything played out, they had a really easy schedule. They were up there with the Pelicans as one of the easier schedules going into the bubble. And then they went three and five in the bubble. There are two wins. Two of the wins were over the Pelicans who already had nothing to play for. And then they beat the Lakers in the final game. They just didn't look competitive. I know Bagley's out, but they are already, they are stacked at power forward. They have total, they have a lot of guys and Barnes probably plays better at the power forward than anywhere else on the floor. And it just, they really could have took advantage of, of some of the uh, things laid out for them. And I just don't think that they really lived up to what they could have.
0: Yeah, that was actually a team that I had on my radar to almost pull something like the Phoenix Suns pulled. And they really did let me down as well with that. And it's kind of unfortunate considering as we were getting closer to the season suspension, they had seemed to find something. Buddy Heald had started to find his game in a new environment. Uh, Fox was doing Fox things. And yeah, just unfortunate for them that it does look like it is the same old Kings. But we are now officially in the first round, as you guys know. First round, first blush, I call this segment. We have seen two uh, or both of the number one seeds lose their first game in the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Bucks fell to the Orlando Magic, where a man did something that only Steph Curry has done in the playoffs that's a 35 point, 10 rebound, five three point make game. And it wasn't by a guard, it was by Vucevic, a center. My oh my, that was a he balled out yesterday. Now, of the two one seeds that lost yesterday, who ultimately seems to be in the biggest trouble right now, P- or, uh, Cash?
1: I think the team in the big, the biggest trouble is the Lakers. The Bucks, I mean, it's easy to get caught sleeping going to that magic team. You seen Toronto do the same thing last year. Magic, the magic came out and really dominated that first game against them last year. And the magic have some talent. I believe they have a good coach, but they, I mean, they're just not a complete team to be able to, you know, make that next step. But the Lakers are in serious trouble. If they don't get their offensive offensive problems together, Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were like, man, they just kind of threw this roster together. a lot lot of people, how are these pieces going to fit? And it looked good for most of the season. And then going into the bubble, you know, they're they're missing Rondo. But I mean, he's not going to fix their offensive problems. And you're you're looking at it like, where did this team go? What is going on? Uh, It's it's not looking good for the Lakers right now. They cannot get their offense together.
0: At today's NBA, when three point shooting is a must. I mentioned it earlier, they're shooting the worst in the bubble right now at oh. just over 30 percent. And yeah. I've I've heard the criticism of Anthony Davis not getting in the paint enough because really when it comes to the matchups out there, Anthony Davis should dominate this Blazer team because he is definitely much quicker, much much more athletic than anybody the Blazers have to put at him. Although I will say, first blush, Hassan Whiteside played his best game defensively in a Portland uniform yesterday, somehow managing to make the most out of his minutes and kind of cause trouble for the Lakers out there. I was really surprised by that. I thought for sure that Whiteside would be their their downfall and just someone that they just waste six fouls on, but he came up big and if he can keep doing that to spell Nurkic, this Blazer team might actually have a chance. Um I wasn't too worried about what happened out to uh, for the for the Bucks just because they're a team that they're going to stick to their game plan. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I mean, they've got the natural talent to just, you know, just shoot a little bit better and they'll be okay. And I think that's ultimately what they have to do, because Giannis still did his thing. They just need to shoot the ball a little bit better and tighten up the defense because they are a smothering defensive team. And they'll eventually, you know, I think they'll eventually snuff this magic team out. They may just do exactly to the magic what the Raptors did to to them last year, just Take the next four games easy peasy onto the next round. Now, let's get into um, speaking of the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, another big playoff game for Fred Van Vliet. As you guys know, he really he was the one who delivered the knockout blow to the Golden State Warriors in last year's finals. He's still balling, still doing his thing in this first round here. He is going to be a free agent how big of a contract are we expecting to see Mr. Fred Van Vliet locked down? And who do we think it's going to be with public?
1: It's interesting with Van Vliet. I believe uh, it's there's not there's a little over a handful of teams with cap space. And a lot of them don't make sense for a guy like Van Vliet, like the Hawks, the Hornets, the Cavs, Knicks. I mean, who wants to go to New York? Uh, but then you have teams like the Heat and the Raptors. I think they make the most sense. Uh, staying in Toronto or maybe even going to Miami if they can pull off a deal. You know, Miami's always aggressive in free agency. Or is it going to be maybe a dark horse team? Maybe, uh, you know, a team like Dallas who needs that perimeter de- defense that Van Vliet can provide. Can they free up some crap space? Because obviously DeLon Wright has not been the answer in Dallas for their perimeter, perimeter defense at the guard position. And I think he would be a great fit there if they could make the moves, but I also don't think that they want to get into that long term.
0: Yeah, I ultimately think that we're probably looking at the Raptors taking advantage of the situation, being the incumbent team that they are and just bringing him right on back. Not to mention uh, Ujiri has done a great job keeping their cap sheets flexible to where if they do come across these kind of guys, they can retain them while parting ways with some of their older veterans like Lowry and like Gasol. Now, let's go with who out here needs to make the biggest adjustments in the bubble here in the playoffs. Um, as we saw, the Rockets just mollywop the Thunder. So that's going to be my guess, or not my guess, my take. And I'm imagining that's going to be yours as well. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, the Thunder, like you got to take that first game without Westbrook playing. And, you know, they're, they, they were a darling team before the bubble started. They exceeded expectations. And then they come in the bubble and they really – are subpar and a lot of people say it's because they're trying to avoid the Rockets and they end up with the Rockets in an ideal situation without Westbrook for, for the first maybe three games and then they just really laid an egg they don't look like the same team that they do before the break
0: they really don't I was kind of kind of disappointed in what I saw from them I kind of saw it coming but at the same time I've if if I'm being totally honest, I loved what the Thunder did this year, and I was I'm rooting for them in all honesty, um, just because it, you know I've always liked Chris Paul, I've liked uh, Shea Gildress Alexander, and I'm a big Danilo Gallinari fan, and I just want to see success for those guys. Um, so to see them come out and really lay an egg in Game One disappointed me, um, but I think I think they've got the talent on the roster to make some adjustments necessary. Really, there's going to be a regression in Houston shooting as well, because that was that was arguably Houston's best game shooting in the bubble to this point. So they ran into that buzzsaw there, but um, just a couple adjustments to be made. And then, like I said, maybe some regression in Houston shooting. And I think we're going to have a competitive series. Ultimately, Uh, any other teams that really need to make big adjustments in your mind?
1: The 76ers and Joel Embiid need to make a major adjustment from from that game. Uh, the Celtics are not a very big team, and Embiid looked subpar. Uh, he turned the ball over a lot. He was high. He was playing in the high post way too much. He needs to get down low. I mean, the fact that he wants to he wants to be a top tier player in the league, and he's getting shut down by Thies. That's it's it's, it's unexcuse inexcusable. Like, it just doesn't seem like he's interested in playing right now. I'm not sure what it is with, going on with the Sixers right now. I think it might be something something bigger. Like you said, Brett Brown might be on his way out. And I just don't know what to take up, what to take from that game.
0: That's the most frustrating. Fi- I, f- excuse me. That's the most frustrating thing I found in that game. One is that when Embiid got those touches in the low post, he actually did damage. But like you said. He didn't go down there all that often. He seemed disinterested. He I mean, it's really, in all honesty, it's the same thing we've come to expect from Joel Embiid time and time again. Um, You know, you've, you've heard guys say it over and over again. I'd hate to see a motivated in shape Joel Embiid because that guy is the single most talented post player in the NBA right now. And we just only see it in glimpses we never see it for long stretches and unless he gets the his attitude together and really his body together we may never see it and that's unfortunate because yeah Joel Embiid's got talent and for as much as they were they were worried about his injury history you've got a point guard or while well, they were going to play him in power at power forward in Ben Simmons that is proving to be just as often injured as joel Embiid, so you're gonna to have to make a decision more than likely of which guy you're going to build your franchise around because it doesn't look like one of both of them are going to stay healthy long enough to really build that franchise nor does it look like their play styles really mesh well so it'll be interesting to see what ends up being the downfall from the philadelphia 76ers because more than likely if they're not eliminated this round it'll be next round and there's going to be some uh some rough, rough goes out in Philadelphia, out in the city of brotherly love between the coach and their two stars. But let's wrap up that part of the first round first blush. And let's go into well, actually, let's stay in first round first blush and go with the uh, Utah Jazz here and talk about Mike Conley. As uh, folks may know, he left the bubble to uh He had a son born, so he wanted to be go be a part of that. Kudos to him. And he tested negative every test he took when it came to uh, the um, coronavirus. And he is back in the bubble now doing his quarantine. And as long as he has his test come back negative, he'll be able to play his first playoff game in game three. Ultimately, though, are the Grizzlies regretting the Mike Conley trade cash?
1: I think the Grizzlies Grizzlies love the trade. I mean, they got Conley off the books. The Jazz. Oh,
0: yeah. Good catch there. The Jazz. Are the Jazz regretting the Mike Conley trade?
1: I don't think I don't really think that the Jazz really regret the Conley trade. I mean, they didn't give up much for him. You know, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen. I mean, those aren't big pieces that are going to take you to that next level. They took a chance. I still think. I mean, is Conley washed? Maybe they had times when they looked good with Conley. And then they've had times where they've been awful. Their biggest issue is their their bench, their depth, watching them play. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a spark plug for that team. Whenever he's on, that team's better. But he has to be like, he's really aggressive and that's what they need. They need more players like that on their bench. People that aren't afraid to take those shots and you know whether they're going to go in or not, as you see with Clarkson, he'll put up 20 shots. He doesn't care if they're going in.
0: Yeah, I'm well familiar with Clarkson's. Uh unconscious uh, mindset when it comes to shooting, because I mean, he did the same thing for the Cavaliers in his short time there. Unfortunately, he wasn't as successful as he is in Utah. Had he been more successful in Cleveland, who knows? Maybe he makes a bigger difference in that uh, NBA finals there, but enough revisionist history. I'm actually going to say that they do regret it because of that depth, because I feel like, especially from what I saw out in Memphis uh, with Grayson Allen, And what I'm seeing in um, Miami now with Jay Crowder, I think that those two actually would have been valuable assets for this team. And I know this is going to sound weird, but ultimately because it's going to allow Donovan Mitchell to be the player that the Jazz need him to be. And what's that player? The guy that takes damn near every shot because as we see as we saw on game one when he is in playoff playoff spider mode as i call it they may actually be at their best rather than trying to get another guy involved just run literally everything through him let the game get dictated by him and they seem to be in a better place at least that's what i noticed in uh, the game one you know when he goes into god mode he he does everything for that team, and they actually look better that way. I mean, he's the reason they eliminated Oklahoma City in the first year Paul George was there, and he he's the straw that that he's the straw that stirs the drink. And when he can't do that, when he has to share the moment with someone like Mike Conley, I think it really ultimately is a damper on his game and a damper on Utah's game. But uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about speaking of the Jazz. They're a former player of theirs, Gordon Hayward, a grade three ankle sprain, and he's done done for at least four weeks. They've said, how big of an injury is this for the Boston Celtics? Can they overcome losing Gordon Hayward yet again?
1: I think they can. If any team can overcome it, it's Boston, they're used. They're almost used to dealing with adversity like this. That team's been together for a while. They're. They've had injuries in the past, like especially with Kyrie last year. You've seen that they still came out and fought. Uh, he does, I mean, he he. it does hurt. It does hurt some depth. And, you know, he does add a, an additional playmaking when he's on the floor. But I think the Celtics can't overcome it. It's just, and is, is their size going to hurt them more than losing Gordon Hayward? Yeah, that's a great point.
0: They seem to be dealing with injuries literally every single season. I mean, this goes back You know three four years ago when they you know just were written off because they had lost so many players and turned it into being one game away from a finals appearance before lebron james and the cavaliers did eliminate them well let's get into some playoff predictions here as we've said we're currently still watching game two of toronto and brooklyn so we're still very early on into the playoffs so it's a perfect time for predictions Who are you expecting, predicting to see in your conference finals? Who are the four teams that will represent the East and
1: West? Oh man, this is a tough one. It's hard not to overreact to what we've seen so far. Uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to make it that far. They've just, it's the last three weeks. They have not looked great. And so that takes one of the LA teams out that everybody kind of penciled in. I think that. How fun would that, if the Blazers can pull that upset, how fun would that Rockets-Blazers matchup be in the second round? It would be one of the best playoff series that we've seen in a long, long time, especially in the second round. Uh, Then you got, I think it's going to be the Rockets-Clippers in the West. And you probably be, if you had had to hold my feet to the fire, I would probably do the Go Chalk in the East with the Bucks and uh, Raptors.
0: I like what you're saying about, you know, some chaos here and maybe seeing the Blazers take out the Lakers, especially if that means we get Dame V Westbrook in yet another playoff series. I mean, the jerseys have changed, you know, but good Lord, that matchup, those two men, that's probably the probably the only rivalry, I would say. May, I mean, we maybe we've got some things brewing with uh, Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren, but th- in terms of player rivalry that might be the best one we've got going the only one we've got going right now in the nba and if you put that in a second round playoff series oh my goodness that would be must see tv unfortunately though i don't see that happening i have an all la western conference final so clippers lakers battling it out what really the nba what most casual fans all wanted to see and then over in the east that is where I have chaos I've got the Raptors. That's, I mean, that's chalk, but I've got the Miami Heat being the team that play the uh, Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just love their shooting. I love Jimmy Butler's edge. I love uh, Bam Adebayo, his development. He's only seemed to have taken it up another level, likely to be the league's most improved player when the awards do get handled out or handled out, excuse me. And I just, I love the Miami Heat team. For as much as I hated them when it was D Wade and Shaq, and I hated them when it was was the big three LeBron Bosch and Wade I'm loving this version of the team it may or may not have a lot to do with the vice uniforms but that's a different story for a different day um Duncan Robinson lights out shooter Tyler Hero lights out shooter Kendrick Nunn lights out shooter then of course like I mentioned you've got Jimmy Buckets and Bam Adebayo after that just a great team that I have enjoyed watching and expect big things out of now we've got the final four Who advances to the finals? What is your finals matchup? Uh,
1: How fun would it be to see the Clippers and Raptors? Why against this former team? It would be such an interesting series with a lot of storylines. The Clippers, I think, I mean, everybody going in, the Clippers are just so deep. Actually, it'd probably be the matchup of the two deepest teams in the playoffs. But the Clippers just have way too much this year, especially if they get their defense going like they had in the first few minutes of that Mavericks game the other night, game one. Uh, I just see the Raptors take or the Clippers taking it all. Do you have any uh, predictions on how many games it goes? I could go six. I don't, I don't think it'd go seven, maybe five, six, maybe five. Oh, so a relatively, relatively short
0: finals then. So one that maybe some, some dominance might be established there. If it's, uh, if it's that long or that short, I should say. I actually agree with you, though. I've got uh, Clippers Raptors as well as my NBA Finals matchup. I actually have it going the full seven. I've got the Clippers taking it, Um, Kawhi with the back to back titles. I also have Kawhi finishing as the finals MVP, although I could very easily see Paul George taking it if he decides to uh, turn on playoff P mode, as he likes to call it. Um, What about you? Are you going Kawhi with your finals MVP as well? Are we in agreement
1: here? I think Kawhi is going to take going to take the MVP. And like you said, I could see the series go on to that seven games. Like you said, Nick Nurse is a very underrated coach in the league, and he could definitely push the Clippers seven. But I just think the Clippers have way too much if they turn it on.
0: Would you go as far as saying Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA right now? Oh, that's
1: going kind of far, you know. I got my boy in Dallas with Carlisle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean Nick Nurse, he's up there. He's up there.
0: I respect Nick Nurse because when you talk to or when you hear, we, we're we're just two 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 league pass anonymous or two league pass alcoholics or uh, or aholics, as I like to say, why we call the show League <laughs> Pass Anonymous. If you listen to the uh, media heads and everything else that actually have scouts and everything that they talk to, they love Nick Nurse's ability to adapt game plans per team a la Bill Belichick. I mean, if you're getting put in to the conversation of one of the greatest coaches in the NFL, I'd imagine that puts you right up there with the NBA. And when you've got a team as flexible and adaptable as that Raptors roster after having lost Kawhi Leonard I mean kudos to you Nick Nurse you definitely are up there and if I'm not mistaken he took a national team job so who uh, I think it's Canada that he's going to be coaching so my goodness man we may, the U.S. may have uh, some, some competition finally up north, so uh, Godspeed to the Canucks out there. But hey, Cash, I appreciate you joining me here today. This has been fun. I'm loving that we got basketball and sports in general back. It is going to be one of the best NBA playoffs out there. Forget what you heard. This is not going to be an asterisk-stricken uh, season. These guys have played their tails off. They'll have earned it, and whoever wins these finals, It will be legit. So, Cash, enjoy the postseason. Everyone else, enjoy the postseason. It was good having you. Want to have you more times here. We'll probably reconvene about midway through the first round to update you, to expose just how bad our, our hot takes were, and go on, man. Again, I appreciate you being on the show. For Cash, this was Justin Jones, a.k.a. JFace907. For League Pass Anonymous and the Tundra Take Podcast Network. Stay safe and stay healthy.